Here in 2023 is a late-gen Xer who was raised in a middle-class area in Southern California, um, existing now as a white man with privilege. Living my life as an ally to everybody can sometimes be a challenge because of who I am, and I am empathetic to all. I get it. I understand where I'm coming from, and I try to make sure that I express that when I'm talking to everybody. I really had a good coming up. I don't even have the immigrant story. You know, someone who just came here and battled and neither did my dad. And that was because you have to go back to my grandfather, who was the one who came over from Italy and passed through Ellis Island by the Statue of Liberty so many decades ago. So I'm two generations removed from that. So today, I humbly present to you something I'm extremely excited and proud about uh, for your education and empowerment. This is the story of Joelle, a single woman of color who deftly articulates her story of buying a home on her own. Let's listen. Okay, everybody, here we go. It's another one of your favorite episodes where you don't have to listen to me all the time. This is Joelle, and she is a buyer in Florida. Joelle, how you doing? Good, good. You know, enjoying the, the homeowner life. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag homeowner life. Um, okay, so we'll get into your story in a minute. Tell everybody your biggest learning process, biggest aha moment, most exciting thing, most scary thing. Give us a, a nice tip right off the right off the bat. So the biggest aha moment I think I had in my personal like home buying journey was just around affordability. So it really felt like something that I was never gonna be able to do. Not for any particular reason. I just thought in my head is big insurmountable get or task or thing that I couldn't accomplish. And I'd actually reached out to you and I was like, oh, maybe these like programs to like flip a house or have like a, a special loan. And you were kind of like, no, those are not for first time home buyers. Those are for like professional flippers. Either you can afford that price point or you can't talk to a broker. And so that for me was probably the biggest one. Because when I did speak with a broker, like it was affordable in my area for me, oh, like within reason, um, but there, yeah. were, there was inventory in that range. And so that for me really opened up a lot of being real about the process and wrapping my hand around really doing it. Well, what's fun is, uh, listeners out there, Joelle and I have talked for all of 28 seconds before I started the <laughs> podcast, and this was the very, very first thing I was going to talk to you about, because we have hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people all over the country that are uh, asking me questions. I respond to most of my questions through email and text, and um, you can hear that girl knows what she's doing, and she asked a question just because the information isn't out there. So I'm so glad that to hear it because I don't know if it's people talking about Airbnbs or investors or too much HGTV, but I have so many first time buyers that call me and their first question is, well, I can't afford a house. So I'm just going to buy an investment first. And I'm not mad at them for that sentence coming out of their mouth, but it, it absolutely makes zero sense for you to make a $300 a month profit and put all your savings into that. And I don't care if it's a $1,500 a month profit, 
when you could own the home yourself and not pay rent for all the years. Not to mention, like you said, it is not easy. And I tell people, you want to be a home investor, buy a house, and then go help your friends buy houses. Go through the process nine times before, because investors, they, they don't play. It's like, show me the numbers. That's it. No one's holding your hand. Well, I could tell from that first question, by the way you answered it, I said, okay, let's try this instead, that you were receptive. Um, now, did you get over that fear because you had listened to me in other podcasts or, or did it just make sense to you in the first place or was it a combination? It was kind of a combination. So I had been doing a lot of research. Um, I was in a really tiny apartment. And so I was feeling the like, I have to get out of here pandemic. I haven't left this one room apartment in a very long time. Um, So I'd already started doing a lot of research and trying to look into different options. But what was daunting was that kind of 2020 to 2021 market was like so aggressive, so scary, especially in South Florida, where I'm located, that it was like, you know, houses were going some crazy bidding war over the amount. And so I'd had this feeling that like, I just wasn't going to be able to do that, especially like without being a millionaire. <laughs> and, um, it, it was kind of a good wake up call. Cause I'd been looking at these properties that were like, had been on the market for like two years and they kept falling through. And like, that was the number because just the sums of money were really difficult to wrap my head around when you're like, you're going to buy a house. And in South Florida, that's like, oh, you want like a starter home? That's roughly $400,000, 500000 I'm like, that's half a million dollars. That's insane. Um, but also like, I didn't quite get the financing part of it. I didn't quite understand like, you know, mentally or emotionally, I should say. I understood it intellectually, but emotionally, I didn't understand what it meant to, this is a 30-year process. It isn't a tomorrow you have to pay $500,000. It's a a, like process. That is huge. I found, I I had an interview, I think it was, I think it just went up a couple days ago. Well, not when you listen to this podcast, Uh, but I think it was episode 163 or 164. She was a finance major. And she went through the same thing where she said, I I walked into it going, I'm a finance major. There's no way this is going to affect me. And she had to deal with her emotions more oh, than yeah. the math. It's crazy. Five. I mean, uh, every Southern California realtor I've dealt with from, you know, 2006 to today, it's, it's always like, I can't afford 300. I can't. And then 400, 500, 600. Yeah. It's like, I want a house. Let me look at these $200,000 houses, which are essentially like condos with no floor in South Florida. And you're like, okay, so maybe not that. Like, what's the next one? What's the next thing? Can I afford that? So um, your advice to kind of get- What helped you? Was it the monthly number or the, because you said, I've never heard anybody talk about it the way you did. That was really smart. The 30 year, which made you more comfortable faster, realizing it was a 30 year or comparing your rent to what would be a full PITI mortgage? So I was in a unique situation where like the rent to mortgage was not helpful because I had found this place like before. So I work in a really good industry now with like high salaries, but before I wasn't, I was working like an hourly wage. And so I had an apartment for years. It's like really, really low rent, below median, way below, completely feasible. So rent wasn't really the part, but the space was a big pull for buying somewhere. 
That said, what helped me wrap my head around it was speaking with a broker, speaking with people, listening to your podcast, listening to lots of other podcasts as well and videos to understand like what is a good normal range of your salary to be thinking about for your monthly payment and then comparing that to what I was looking at. So just having that like information around this is normal and then this is not normal and this is below normal and hopefully being able to gauge within that because I lived in New York before I lived in South Florida and that was my like barometer. So it was just you rent, you rent for the rest of your life. Like you don't buy. (laughs) I mean, I hope you're buyers in New York don't feel that way, but like it was the mentality that I just didn't know what was normal. Oh, don't worry about it. I I, I actually lived in Manhattan for 11 months of my life. Um, and, and I have many, many friends there. Fortunately, they're, they're starting to understand and um, they're all buying out in the suburbs or yeah. getting teeny little apartments. Okay. Your apartment. Okay. So you said something really neat in there. So it wasn't like you should buy a house. It only costs you 5% down and you pay the same per month. You had to create an equation in your head. I'm going to pay. I mean, was it thousands more? Was it like $2,000 more a month? Yeah. About <laughs> for a mortgage because okay. I had it really, really low, but I had one room. You I'm not joking small. about the one room. It was small. It was like a <laughs> true one bedroom, but essentially that whole place could fit in like my office right now like that's it and i started working from home so i could reach out from my office desk and touch my bed and like see the entire apartment from where i was which was fine when you went into an office and spent 40 at least hours of your week not in that place but not so fine when you live there and work there and have fun there and do everything in that like 600 square feet or whatever it was. Well, you came from New York, so at least you were prepped. You yeah, know. <laughs> I had the mentality <laughs> right. Okay, so then, great, this is cool. So for our listeners, that gap between your rent and your new mortgage, when it's more, understanding that it's the space, everybody gets that. You know, it's the same. If you go from one rental to another rental and you go from a one bedroom to a two bedroom, renters go, well, it's $700 more a month, but it's big and I can have people stay. And if I want to get a roommate, did the did the finances, like the, the stability of owning a home, I mean, that had to come into it because you weren't oh, paying $2,000 more for space. It was the It was the stability of not being a renter anymore, right? Yeah, the stability and knowing that the rent would be the same. So my landlord had been talking about selling the place, which would change all of this math, right? And that wouldn't be in my control because so many of them wanted to offload it. So like, you know, you end up being in a spot where you're like watching your landlord's life. Like, are they getting a divorce? Will it sell? What's happening? Like, okay, I need to get out of that and have more control over what's going on. And then also a big part too was, coming to terms, this is the emotional part again, coming to terms with the fact that I'd needed that I was using that gap between like what was coming in and what was going out for rent to save, to save, to save, to save. Like most of that went to savings. And I was having a conversation with my parents and my mom was like, well, you don't have to worry about not having that much, the same level of buffer anymore. 
because this is the thing you were saving for. Like you were putting away for this. So if you have this, <laughs> you may not need to save to the same level as quickly. Like you can take your time with certain things or make adjustments. And that was like, oh yeah, like this is the thing. <laughs> you don't save to save, you save for a reason. And this was my reason. And I just was hesitant to get out of that mindset. Wow. Okay. So first of all, child of the year, listening to your mom. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Second of all, you need to figure out a three-way call on this thing and get her on this video <laughs> right now. And give her some props. Oh yeah. You'd like her. <laughs> her other, my <laughs> other favorite quote from her during going through, it was just like, she would remind me when I'm freaking out about like interest rates and stuff like that. And like, Oh, yeah. I wish I had that 2%. She was like, when we got the house down here, it was 12%. So put that into perspective that people still bought houses when it was essentially like usury to do so. So you can, <laughs> so you can manage, you know, for whatever, you'll be fine. I understand that there's a, a season in everyone's life. And I know that I catch a lot of people in a season in their, if they're in their twenties, where they only have a finite year, uh, a finite understanding of when they've been adulting. And unfortunately, you've seen 4%, 3%, 2%, and that's all you know. It's been 7% on average since 1971 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you know, my parents' story is 18%. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, uh, and my dad still swears at Jimmy Carter. Um, <laughs> I'm like, really? Like the president raised? Okay, whatever, dad. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So tell us about it. Did you, is this just you? Did you do this all on your own girl? So it's funny. I did do the process all on my own in the beginning because, but like uh -huh. throughout that I'm now engaged. So this like life has like changed really fast, Whoa. but it started out on my own. Um, just because it was a little bit easier. We were just, you know, dating. So it wasn't quite the same yeah, like, yeah. life thing. Um, and, um, I wasn't sure what I was going to find or what was going to be there. So I just wanted to get information. A lot of this started with like the, let me just find out what is it? It's four credit score points. Like, it'll be okay. I'll like find out what yeah. I can afford and like get some sense and like have a plan as you would say towards buying something like next year or the year after. And we started looking at apartments to move in together and that was becoming a disaster. And I was like, not for our relationship, clearly, but for I was, I was me. Say, that was because of the apartments, not because of him, right? <laughs> it was because of the apartments. <laughs> uh, because something curious that's going on down here, I don't know if it's still the case, of course, because I got out of this game, but um, rental was insane. Like rents had tripled or quadrupled in that same time frame post pandemic. So I guess everybody was moving down here or not, you know, mid pandemic, I should say. Rents were crazy. And like, we were having a hard time wrapping our head around like leaving our locked in price for this new thing. And we'd see places that were four or five times what we would pay collectively for our individual small places. And they had nothing. They were like, I think I saw one place that like the shower didn't have walls. Like it was a bathtub. <laughs> it was like a sunken tub that they'd re retrofit to a bathtub to like a shower. And just by just like adding a shower head, not by adding walls, but by adding a shower head. And I was like, 
I feel like this isn't, this is insulting. Like this is not, how, who do you think is going to rent this? What is going on? So we were seeing places like that. And I was like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. We're never going to find somewhere. And so I was like, let's look, just look at the buying market. And that was radically different. When I tell you, like, I don't want to tell you the story of how we got this house, because I feel like it's going to give people unrealistic expectations. <laughs> you know, you hear other people's stories, but ours was like one and done. So I did it on my own because um, we were just exploring and it ended up that luckily, you know, I'm in a good spot and could afford to just go through with it on our own. But yeah, we live together now. So it's even better financially than it was when I would have done it on my own. Oh, no, go, Joelle, I'm going to ask you because I'm definitely going to ask you about that. But before, yeah. before I ask you about you being it being easy, number one, congratulations. I'm so excited. You are my second interview of the day <laughs> who on paper, single lady. So, yeah. oh, 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 another single. I'm tell I, I I don't know how many people see the videos or whatever, but I know a lot of people listen to these. Single women are the fastest larger, fastest largest. That that's insulting. I'll get in big trouble. <laughs> single women are the fastest growing sector in home buyers and even more first time home buyers. Yeah. So if you if if you're listening to this podcast and Joelle sounds like you a together smart person and that's you um go for it and it, once you do then you'll get engaged trust me so go for <laughs> it, it works that way for everybody yeah 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 well because i think the really interesting part of it was that like you know especially as women were like told oh wait for your partner you'll do something in family you'll do it together it'll be easier and i don't know if it will or won't because obviously i didn't wait to find out but it also was that none of that negates the other part. Like just because I did it on my own, but had a relationship did not mean that like now we can't find something else later. It just means that now I bring more to the table. And when we go to find something else for our family, if we need to, uh, we have something to bargain with and something to sell and something to put towards it. It's just adding to it. It's not taking away. Rewind, 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 everybody. <laughs> Another nugget, absolutely. And I appreciate the fact that you had enough confidence in your own research through uh, what you found from my podcast as well as the other podcasts. There's a lot of other great people out there, and I love it. Um, and then as well as your unicorn, uh, who we eventually, you know, uh, my girl, Debbie D, because and I got to tell you, I have like fired five or six unicorns in South Florida. It yeah. is a tough market to find people that care and that that rush that post post mid post pandemic rush on the rents we saw that in a lot of like warm or hip places because yeah, yeah. the remote thing started and when the remote thing started that person went well screw it i'm out of here and i can imagine so that, yeah and the landlords figured it out so, okay, one of the things we fight in real estate all the time, if I tell them, it's if it's a tough seller's market and I list someone's home for sale and I go, look, if we list it right here, I'm pretty sure we can get an offer in the next month, you know, less than 30 days maybe. But if you list it up here where you want it, it might sit for three or four months and then people ask what's wrong with the house. So then they do what I say and then I get an offer in a week 
And then they go, oh, we listed it for too low. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, I did my job well. And so that's what happened. So I, I don't, I'm not scared if the process was easy for you. Yeah. Because I know Debbie E. And, and the process was easy for you because you had an experienced person who knew how to make it happen. So what, what happened? You just like, was the first one right? I know. So I tell her, I mean, I don't know if she, you have to ask her if she wants this part out for the rest of the world. But I joke and I, like, I last time we edit spoke. It if she doesn't like it. That's yeah. not true. Last I'm just going to keep spoke, it. I was like, she's like the one, like the one night stand of realtors, which is a great thing. We went out one time. <laughs> we went to the first house. I put in my first offer and I was a homeowner three weeks later. Like that was it. Do you reach out to me in July? We were in the, we were like, we're in the process. Yeah. But you reached out to me in July. You closed mid November. You, you reached out to me late July. You were under contract, but uh, what I say, September, yes, September 19th. So you were under contract August something. Yeah. Okay. Do you think it was the conversation? Do you think it's that her understanding what you were looking for that it worked or did you guys just hit the ground running? Yeah, I think there was a couple of things. So I have to give her her props that she gave. She has like a wealth of an understanding of the market and previous knowledge that we could just crib off of. And like, so she gave really good advice on what to look for in the beginning. And after speaking with me, she was like, okay, you know, I asked her what would happen next. I, I, I talked to other realtors and even worked with one and like nothing against them. They just had less experience. And I was feeling like I have less experience and you have less experience and I'm a very type A. So I'm starting to get a little crazy. So like, I need somebody who I can say, I want a house, find me a house. And I have confidence that like that's happening and I don't have to do a lot of legwork. So what she said to do when in our first conversation was like, go drive the neighborhoods, see the neighborhoods. Cause that's the one thing I can't change. Here's a list of stuff. Drive these neighbor, drive the neighborhoods you're interested in. Immediately. Our list went from like 13 to five, like boom, like one night we were there. We wouldn't even be in the neighborhood for five minutes. Like, nope, uh, nope. Yep. Next one. Nope. <laughs> it was the fastest home visits ever. So I think giving that advice was key. The second was, was that she actually went through. So a lot of realtors would just like give you the access to that database and like pick your favorite homes and we'll go see them. You know, nothing. Give me your list of 25 and we'll go out. But Debbie actually went through and would write back like, no, this one, you know, they're clearly under assessment, this condo, like I've sold other things in that area. I think this is overpriced. I think that's underpriced probably for a reason. Like, don't look at this one. Don't look at that one. Not don't obviously do it if you want to, but I would suggest not to is what she would say. And that was helpful because that immediately culled it even further. And then I felt more confidence also that the houses that were left were things that were in a good spot for looking at. So it just really helped to already have that pre-work that cut the applicable homes all the way down to things that were actually worth visiting and seeing again rewind um i'll <laughs> give you i'll give you the business insider on that too as a as a potential home buyer again rewind and listen to that and because that is important you need to feel comfortable you you need to be understand the neighborhood and 
And you need to also be emotionally comfortable when you say, what about this home? And they have an answer. Well, okay, this one there, this is a, because I can tell you right now, if she said, no, 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 maybe, no, no, maybe, yes. And you went out to that one yes, and it wasn't right. She'd go, all right, we'll wait for the ne next batch. And you would hang out. She's not afraid to tell you no, or, oh, that's too good to be true, because you're not her only client right now. And she's not selling four homes this year. She doesn't need to say, look at everything and then just show them to you and then pray to God that you'll pick one and they can write an offer that night, you know? And that makes it, yeah. that's, that's the business side. Then the other side is she has all the answers because she's experienced. And it was stuff that you wouldn't get from, like it really is things that only come from experience. And I'm not saying anything against like new realtors or things like that, but it was really helpful as a first time buyer. I would have no problem using some of the realtors I'd spoken with before that, or even had like initial work with next time around. Cause there's stuff I've done this time that I would have a better idea of like, this is what I want. I don't want that. I don't yeah. like this, but Debbie could really give things like, Oh, this homeowners association has a, offers a lot. Like there's no problem. I've lived here or I have people that live here and this is what they cover. They even cover cable. I was like, Whoa, you know, that's not on the sheet. That's information she knows from knowing the market or, um, for this house that we bought, she was like, oh, a lot a lot of houses in this neighborhood have this model. They date to roughly this age. Like some of them have sunken living rooms, but they clearly lifted the living room. So she was able to also give some insight into what had changed in the house or like things we might think of or watch out for or really to appreciate where the price was coming from too for this property that helps you wrap your head around these like crazy sums. I will never be comfortable. I'm like really risk averse. I would never be comfortable to like 400, 500, $500,000 house. Like that's crazy. Well, those are insane. But when somebody says like, oh, you know, like the foundation is really good and these houses are not in a flood zone and these houses have been here since the seventies and like they're really well built and constructed and people have had really good resale value in good markets and have been able to weather the storm of bad times. Like that makes you feel better about the insanity of signing your <laughs> financial future into this place. I tell people all the time, you have to, as a, as an individual, understand if you're not freaked out about a half a million dollar purchase, then like most of the people listening to this ha weren't thinking about it back when the market crashed, they were in college or in high school, or hopefully some of you were really not even born yet um, <laughs> in 2008. Uh, but well, no, not quite. Anyway, uh, but the, the idea that when what you're looking at right now for to understand $500,000 and it to freak you out, that's good because if it doesn't, you're going to do what the people did back then and buy places with no money down and not do the math. And then you're going to get foreclosed on. So I don't begrudge new, new agents. I, I think the industry is wrong. Hmm. If the industry was correct, a new agent would have spent the first 12 months like a law, like a lawyer, like a doctor, like many other businesses, shadowing somebody to if 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 a new agent went with Debbie and showed homes all year long with Debbie 
Then she would know people have filled in the sunken living room. Then she would know it's been there since the 70s, but there haven't been any geological issues or swamp issues or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I've got earthquake. You've got to worry about flooding <laughs> zones. That, you know, and, but, but the agents are not taught that. They're only taught, go out and brand yourself. So unfortunately, I only have one answer right now, and it's find a unicorn like Debbie D. You have to find someone with experience or a newer agent who's on a team with somebody like that. And for you, it worked out um, because you you got to use all that experience. And, and now, again, so proud of you as a single woman buying a home. You have so many more options. My wife did it, too. She had a house before. You know, she always says, well, of course, that's why you started dating me. God bless her. Um, and. I, I just think that's such an incredible, valuable piece for everyone out there to learn and to understand if the numbers, let the numbers freak you out and then keep listening and researching and get used to it. And don't be mad at yourself for being freaked out or don't, you should be. Yeah. You have, to, like, you have to learn all the stuff behind it. The brokers really helped too. So I ended up working, it was like a chain of referrals. So you linked me up with Debbie. And then when I decided to work with her, she linked me up with her broker that she works with really closely. Um, and I'd already met with a few different brokers and I'd had good experiences. I hadn't had bad ones. I was just comparing rates. And I ended up going with her broker just because of that close relationship. And also you always say like, you have that connection. They need to work closely together. Um, mm -hmm. But his, he was the one who was the most skeptical during the process. Like there were some brokers that were very handholdy, like, yeah, no, you got it. Like you have ample money, good credit score. Like you're fine. You've been saving You have family support. Like you're going to be great. It's going to be fine. And that broker was like, well, these are the brackets. Are you comfortable with that? Like, don't go above this, do this. Like you need to be here. <laughs> like, I don't know if you want that house, like see if you can get more cash down from here. Like, is that available? If it's not say no, like it felt more, it was more stressful in the process. Like I would have loved somebody to be like, come buy a house. It's going to be fine. But I at least had the forethought to like think the money person needs to be the skeptical person in here. And if that person says yes, and they're the least like, do it, then I can feel comfortable making the decision because that means that I probably really can. And it's not a stretch. Get real. Get Just let me give you some. I just, I had somebody call, uh, email me. And as I was typing my response back, like a new Sidonism came out where they they got referred by the realtor to the unicorn realtor to the unicorn lender. And, and there was, it just happened to be that this unicorn lender had a huge shakeup. And it, it imagine like a bank of America, all of a sudden went, all these mortgage brokers on the West coast are no longer with bank mm. of America anymore. It yeah. was something similar to that. And so, she reached out to me and said, I just want to make sure I love the unicorn realtor, but the lender, I'm freaked out. And so I said, here's the deal. The lender's bread gets buttered by the realtor. And, and that changed everything for her. It's like, she has to perform for the realtor. And if she lies, if that, or, or exaggerates handholds too much, and then you get in the transaction and some, 
surprise new fee or something happens, you're going to complain to the realtor and then the realtor is going to stop telling the lender about new buyers. So mm. it's all a chain of accountability. And, you know, like I can already tell, like if you came in my office, I would be my normal bubbly self at first. And then I would listen to you for five seconds. And then I would go, hang on. And then I sit down and then I give you stat boy, David, that is in the podcast all the time. <laughs> because you got a head on your shoulders and, and we have to, and it's like, it's like if my friend, if someone off the street asked me a question about real estate, cool. But when my friend goes, dude, I'm going to buy this Airbnb. And I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, because I know the situation. This, I'm glad yeah. that this guy was straight for you. Um, were there any other, uh, that's a huge tip though, to not, to not, I have to be careful. It's great if you have a good relationship with them and it is very important. And if you don't have a good relationship, people, you can reevaluate it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't mean. He was just like not playing no, about real. the numbers. Yeah. Like I said, that's and how I'd be with my educational. Like I could ask any question and he would explain it and like walk me through it and also walk me through each calculation. Like this is what it, this is going to be. This is how much is that? Like one thing I really liked that he did was these are your taxes now on, you know, but this is the taxes next year when the house is yours and isn't under like homestead and what it's going up for now. So like know that this number is about to be much larger than what is on this piece of paper. And I have to do all these calculations off of this tax number, but this is your real tax number. So make sure that that number is okay for wow. you. We, yeah, we have a supplemental tax increase in California. Um, I think people in Florida just assume they can buy everything without tax because you're, a, you know, a no income state tax. <laughs> well, that's the shock. <laughs> no, but that's real because that's also a big shock is like for most of us, especially in Florida, like taxes don't really figure into so many things or you might have moved here because it's such a favorable income tax environment. But then they get their money back through housing. So that was like really important to sit down and be like, hey, two things about this market, homeowners insurance. <laughs> And taxes, they're about to get you and put you through the ringer. And like your mortgage is the least of your problems, which I did not know. Yeah, because P-I-T-I, principal interest, you're locked in for 30, for 30 years. That's the beautiful thing I, I, I try to explain to everybody. But your, your realtor has to know your areas and your mortgage broker has to know and understand the finances of the state that you live in, you know, because things change all the time. That's just, wow. Okay. Talk to me about, uh, is there any other hacks or tips or like, think back, think back to June before you yeah. got in. I think the big thing, and it was scary, but the biggest part too, was I just talked to everybody I know who had bought a home in the last year and like, went and just called up everyone like, Hey, you have a townhouse. How'd that go down? Like, what was this? And I wasn't, I made a point, like, it's always really uncomfortable to talk about money with your friends, at least in America. Yeah. And that's hard. <laughs> but I made a point of being like, I'm not going to be embarrassed about this. Like, what'd you spend on that? What'd you spend on this? What's that? Like, I'll share any documents I have. They got all my business on there. That's fine. Like, I'm not, don't put it on the internet, but 
I need you yeah. to take a look at it to give me a good gut check and talk about things that I asked. So I'm, I'm, it helps also. I'm a researcher by profession. So I was like, give me the questions that you ask the people you talk to. So, you know, I had the insurance question had come up that I have a friend who's an accountant. She works in New Jersey, but she actually gave me a lot of good advice because some of her clients have property in Florida. So she was like, these are some questions that the lawyer, their lawyer, their real estate lawyer has asked me. And so think about that. Or when I bought it, this like home insurance, that part, um, even I forget what it's called now, but the insurance you can get like for the appliances. What did you ask questions about? How much are you paying for it? What is that? So there's a lot of, you get really close with your friends because <laughs> they know a lot about you <laughs> and you know a lot about them. And it helped too to kind of like level set all the stories I heard. So you hear things on the internet and then you also hear like the success and the dramas of the down part of like, about the house and everything in it needed to be gutted or, but I didn't know that and I didn't have the money for it or I bought the house and like I sold it two days later for like 200% profit. So you don't know again, what normal is. So just going for a hunt to find out what normal was and then being mindful that if they don't live in your region, if they didn't buy the house in the same like month or week down in South Florida, it's not the same thing. Rewind, rewind. (laughs) it gives you a good sense of like, Oh, okay. If it's, it's typical to freak out about, you're going to freak out so much. I freaked out like every day. I was like, can I take it back? Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know. What have I done? What have I done? Everything costs $5,000. Everything costs $2,000. Like the sums of money. I've never written checks like that in my life. Those sums of money have never passed my bank must have thought if they didn't see that it was house buying, they would have called me for fraud all the time. Like, cause I've never done anything in those numbers ever. South Florida, South Florida. They just would have thought you got into dealing all of a sudden. Oh, she's in the cocaine trade. <laughs> yeah, like um. the police would have been at my door cause this is very odd. And you, so it takes a lot to get comfortable with it. So hearing what other people did, even like one friend gave me, what she had budgeted for her renovations for her townhouse and what it actually ended up being. So she'd gotten this great deal and it was like, I want to buy a $200,000 house. Like what? But then after she was like, Oh, but I had to end up putting like $75,000 at least into this townhome, And I still have more to go. It was like, Oh, okay. Any of a townhouse and it's less space and it's a different market. It's a different place. Okay. I'm feeling better about like, what I've signed up for. You hit it on the head. Research and listen, but you have to have the filter that you talked about. When I said rewind, the Joel filter. If you didn't buy it in the last week, it ain't the same. It's just a, it's a different game. But, you know, one, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it goes both ways too, because after we went into like, I guess not closing, but like into that period, escrow, where you're, about to close, like I just had to put on blinders and not stop researching, stop looking at everything because house prices had changed and interest rates had changed and things that were like the same house in the neighborhood were maybe like 10K down, or, you know, is fluctuating. And who yep. knows what it actually would have gone for. You can't get into that. So I just had to like see no evil, hear no evil. 
I had a home and I no longer listen to anything about buying homes. I just listen to like your episode on closing costs incessantly. And that's it. That's the only thing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But oh, it must not have been very much soulless because I was like, no one understands it. Have fun. That's my whole episode. (laughs) I mean, it was, I should say, it was helpful. It was not emotionally healthy to be listening to that over and over (laughs) and because you can't do anything about it. But that was also the phase when you have certain documents that you've never seen before. Like I had never seen like the loan estimate breakdown. I got one, but it hadn't been like filled out. And so you're seeing numbers and you're like, what are these things? Like who is like... Who's that? Yeah. What's this? Why am I paying for a survey? Can I say no? Like, I don't want to pay for the survey if it's that much. Like, you, but they're not yeah, optional. Exactly. You know? Yeah, they're like, yeah, we have to know exactly where your property lines are, and you're going to want that in case somebody infringes on you in the future. Yeah. But, you know, again, like, it's like research. Debbie. I don't want that. And you're like, you no, have no. to have it. Yeah. But yep. so listening to it to try and understand what I was looking at as I got the documents or at least hear the vocabulary, there's still stuff like, it's one of those processes where you could go and listen to everything and do all the research, but you don't understand certain things until you go through it, which is why it's such a vulnerable spot. Because you're just like, loan estimate. You said the word loan estimate. I could look online and find out what a loan estimate was, but it wasn't until I was sitting there and looking at how much points cost, how much this cost, what is going on, um, that... I started to freak out, but it's yeah. okay. <laughs> it's great because where you are understanding everything, you want to do that. But I, I always very humbly say, I, I'm not a heart surgeon, but if I was going to get a heart surgery, I would not have to go to med school yeah. for 12 years to learn how to do it. I would, I would spend my time researching the best surgeon in town. And then... I don't need to know the difference between a ventricle and an aorta. I just say, give me the gas. And then you exactly. Yeah. And it's that. <laughs> and and so, so that, so that's one part of it. But then the other part is you have to believe in the numbers, which you apparently did because you bought when the market was going crazy and interest rates were going crazy but you had already established a baseline of what you believe in before you bought. And therefore, you know, you were, you were able to move forward and, and get through all that muddle and, uh, and just give us some time. We're recording this right at the beginning of March right now. You just watch, there's going to be bidding wars around the corner yeah. in your neighborhood. And it was also like, under- so this was where, I think having being a researcher helped also like with the discipline of hearing things and then saying like, okay, let me look at it. Cause people were sending me who were detractors. You will talk to them and it's important to talk to them too, to like help you come down. Cause my dad was like the detractor and my mom was like, do it yesterday. And my dad's like, wait, the market will come down because they bought right after the crisis. And so it was a really good time in Florida for them to buy their last house because everything had gone down and they were able to get a great deal. So they were also like, do it this way. Um, My dad was, but my mom was like, look, when she bought her house, she did it by herself. She did. It was the same kind of pattern of like, she bought a house, she did it. It wasn't like the best time, but it was the best time for her. And that let them sit and wait for the best market to buy the next house. Um, 
And when you hear the detractors, like also be reasonable about things, like I would, they would send posts that are like home prices are about to crash. The crash is coming. Like, look at all of this. But then when you look at the heat maps of where they were predicting from the models that the prices were going to go down the most, they, South Florida is not on that list. It's increasing or predicted to stay stable that like at best it would be a 5% drop. I think one map I'd seen was, and I was like, well, 5% is like $10,000, like over 30 years. This is not not worth it for me to be able to touch my bed from my work office desk. Like that does not, <laughs> I'll pay, I'll pay that now. I'll sign any piece of paper for $10,000 get me out of this hole. Like, don't worry. It is, it is so imperative that you understand where people are coming from. There is only one type of buyer who should buy a home like your parents did. And everybody thinks well, no, that's the way I'm going to do it. If it's your last house ever, and for some reason you had a crystal ball and you knew the market was going to drop 30%, sure, go ahead. But if you're going to stay in a home for 30 years, if you buy it and the market drops 20%, the math still for replacing your rent and also getting your more space, it just, it, it yeah. don't try to buy to try to time the market because it it's... First of all, there's only one time you do that, and that's, you know, when you're retiring. And God bless you. Have a great time. And, like, it's not lost on me that, like, they are, you know, they worked hard. They have the things, but also they were able to time the market because they were in a house they were comfortable with, that they could afford, that they had bought, that they went through. And they were waiting and timing that market in a home that had their mortgage locked in yes from 1992 <laughs> like that's not that's not the same thing at all and so and i benefited from that and i see how my sister also benefited from it like that stability gave them a ground on which to help us and to help me buy this home yeah so it has knock-on effects that are somewhat lost and like wanting to be that gambler who hits the big deal. Thankfully, I guess it worked out that I'm very, I am not a gambler, not for me. And I don't have the personality. So it was like, slow and steady is the way to go. Let me just get into this race and like be done. Yep. And now you're in and you're hanging out and you're in that good position. And uh, you know, the, you, you should never, it is a long game. It's like buying a stock. Sure. I could have bought a stock 20 years ago that took off. But I didn't know that Apple, Steve Jobs, was actually going to fix it instead of destroy it, <laughs> you know? And sure, but you know what else? I could have made the same amount of money. It would have taken me 20 years if I just put it in a nice, stable market index fund or whatever. And if you look at your house, mm -hmm. if you look at your house as more of a long-term retirement as opposed to day trading stocking, uh, stocking, stock buying, then you're going to do, you're going to do fine. And, you know, the good thing is uh, you, your story helps people to understand the volatility of the market. I always, I always laugh because people are like, well, it's just too many people competing right now. So, so I, I can't buy. So they call me six months later and they go, oh, there's not that many people competing. But what, why is the guy charging 70,000 more? Well, because all those competing people ran the price up. Which one do you want? You know? <laughs> Yeah. And it was a, like 
I had absorbed a lot of the way people talk about buying a house and as if like you're trying to make a deal and win something like you got to make a profit. You got to make a deal. Like you've got to like gamble this thing. Like it's, it's roulette and you got to be on the right numbers or like, or I guess better when it's like, it's blackjack yeah. and you've got to know when to hit and when to stay and like go through it. Except it's not because I'm not buying this to make money. I'm buying it to live somewhere and be stable. And yes, it is a good idea because it helped me work in a certain way. But like, I'm not trying to make a profit. A profit isn't the goal. Mm -hmm. Like buying something that works for me, that satisfies my need for shelter and makes me comfortable and happy and gives me peace of mind is... (laughs) You know, like, it's like you don't buy a stock to sell it. Well, I guess some people do day trading, right? Like you buy a stock to sell it tomorrow, but also you have to pay taxes on that. You don't have to pay if you just buy it to sit there. So if you're looking to make a profit, that's a wildly different, wildly different thing than buying a home. Well, it's like the gambling analogy. You can, if you're playing craps, you can roll the dice and maybe you'll make a little bit of money. But buying a house is rolling the dice, except the table's a mile and a half long. You just roll the dice and sit yeah. there and wait <laughs> and wait and wait. So that was some, my uncles would always say, like, if you're hoping to stay there for more than five years. And it seems like you are. This is moot. Like none of these things matter. Because <laughs> like this is as long as you're making a good decision for you financially, like as in it works for the money you have coming in and going out today the goal is to continue or make more over time. So that will ease and like you'll add to it. It will give you money back. It will help set you up. It's something that you have that you can live in. Like think of how much you spend on cars or like that you've bought in that way. You weren't thinking to yourself, I'm going to resell this car and make like a really nice, you know, you just needed a car. You got one that worked for you. You got the one that you were comfortable with, that you liked, that you paid a certain amount that you could afford, I hope, that you could afford. And then you drive it, then you get another one. And you never say to yourself, man, I really like lost out on that deal. No, you don't. You you don't. And the part that you were talking about, you said it was your uncle who said the point was moot, right? Five five years. Uh Let me add to that because the point is moot. As Joey from Friends would say, the point is moot. What does that mean? You know, like a cow's opinion. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I remember he said, I was like, what? It's a cow's opinion. It's moo. Um, t- two huge factors. You're, you're assuming, like you said, that you're young and your income's going to increase. Now, add on to that rent that doesn't. So now you have that gap, the good gap of your monthly payment for shelter feels lower and lower and lower every year you're in the house. And that that's where the wealth comes from. I don't care if the home stays the exact same value of equity for the next five years. You're still going to be able to put more money in savings as you make more money and your rent stays the same. And that's huge. Well, okay, I could I could seriously do this four hours with you, um, but uh, that was that's the kind of conversations I will get into with a lot of my first time homebuyers that I love because we get to get in a very heady place and talk about the emotions of it, yeah. justifying with your logical researcher brain. So that's 
Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Thank you. You've been such an amazing resource for me. I mean, I'm not joking. I'm not just like blowing smoke about exactly the episodes I listen to incessantly, you know, because I reached out and asked you a question. Uh So I'm really, really (laughs) thankful for you having organized this and continuing to do this work and putting this information out there because it really, really is helpful. And yeah, that's all I need from you. My advice, if my ask is, if you can put together a packet that's like, this is what these documents look like, and I'm going to talk about different parts of it, I would have bought that in a second. And I would have... But if you do it for free, that'd be even better. Well, I, I would... I, you know me. I would have <laughs> given it away for free, but there's 50 different ones because there's 50 different states, and I don't know how many... Yeah. I don't know how many provinces there are, and I should, but there's a different one in everywhere in Canada, too. That is why the, the goal of the podcast is... Really, you should listen to three podcasts and just call a unicorn and ask them all your questions. But yeah, there's that. But I know a lot of people are going to be like you. And so I just continue to give the information. And there's some researcher out there listening to this right now. And you've just helped them (laughs) tremendously. And now they're going to go back and look for the closing cost episode. And (laughs) oh, my gosh. Yeah. Need to. It's. (laughs) That's that's why I love I love that independent people try to do this on their own, but I tell them if you find the right unicorn team, the realtor and lender are not going to push you to sell a house this weekend. But okay, you know what you did? You brought up a good point. I'm going to talk to my unicorns and tell them their lenders in each individual state need to make that packet and give it to the unicorns. And then the unicorns go, oh, you're coming from Sidoni? You're gonna ask me too many damn questions. Here, this is everything (laughs) that you need to know. Well, and it's not even like the information, just like when you talk about in your podcast, like the closing costs one, going through and like what points are and what this is, and you do a great job of that. But when I got the documents, I think that was the scary part of like not understanding and when you look up online, like, what is a loan estimate? They give you, like, a loan estimate is an estimate of what you're going to pay. For. It's like, yeah, I got thanks, that. Thanks. thanks. On the name. <laughs> what I want to know is, <laughs> like, yeah. what's optional, what's not, where I find those on the document to help understand the conversation. And the lender did a great job of walking me through it and being like, these are these things. But it's that really very unique perspective of understanding what the audience doesn't no, yes. and people who work in this every single day lose track of you can tell me that I just bought points or like this is how much points cost. Yeah. But I don't know what that means. <laughs> and should I do it? And like what happens if I don't? And what happens if I do? And do other people like that part? That's a good one. That's a good one. And you know, it's uh, of of course you found this as the place that caused you the most consternation because I'll get super nerdy now. What happened was during the crash, lenders used to go in and give an estimate to someone that whatever, that they would give a really, to sell them, they would make a really low cost estimate and give it to them because they knew the market was going so fast that should there be a problem, they were making enough money on the backside, they could do a lender credit back and then, mm. then it would feel, in other words, they could give you a not really low estimate and know that they could, if they're, they're praying, they don't have to pay. But if they do, there's a place to pull it. 
Well, then Frank Dodd and Elizabeth Warren and the CFPB came in and said, you can't do that anymore. The rule nationally is that first loan estimate, if you charge one penny more than that to the buyer, that comes out of your pocket directly. So now the first loan estimate you see is going to be scary because they have to give you the biggest number and a lot of letters and a lot of people don't explain that to you. And then the second part is they can't give you that exact breakdown until you are, as you said, in escrow or under contract because they have to get, because they have to, they have to calculate everything by the day, the day you close your homeowners association, if you have fees, this is what you're be the day you close, your taxes are going to be X, Y, and Z. The day you close, you're going to close on the 20th. So you have to pay the 21st to the 30th, but then, and that is a prorated of 30 days of, mm-hmm. but if you, oh, if yeah. you closed on the fifth, you would have to pay, you know, uh, 24 days as opposed to just paying 10. My poor lender. I was like, what is this? Why am I prepaying this and paying it again? Like, what are these things? What's happening? Yeah. Um, so that would, you know, just knowing what questions to ask are so helpful. And I feel like I was really well prepared to thank you, but also more, more, David, more. I, I, get, I give as much as I can. <laughs> and then there's, there's state stuff where I don't know everything. And, yeah, and, yeah. and in that closing cost one, you heard me say, I'm trying, I'm trying. Nobody, nobody gives you everything until the last minute. So the best I can do. And the real talk. Yeah. Yeah. I've been dropping more truth bombs. It's so helpful of like, the numbers will change. Relax. Like you're in it now. You can't get out of it without losing a lot more money than that. So just like ride it out. Lasso first, believe in the numbers (laughs) and then, and then mentally prepare and it's going to get ugly and then be like, okay. And a lot of times. Look at it this way. Like I said, the people who are like, I don't want to buy when it's competitive. It's going to be too hard. I, uh, it, oh, well, no, I don't want to buy. It's too expensive. You know what yours was? Well, I need to do everything about this. How do I do every little thing? And then, you know, it was, super, yep. you know, it was super easy for you. Great realtor, one house done. So, you know what? One part was hard. One part was super, super easy. So yes. congratulations. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great day. Thank you too. Okay. I love these episodes. There's nothing I can say that beats Joelle's own real life lessons and real stories. Scrub back to the top, find your own nuggets, find out how to work the system by knowing how the bread is buttered so that you can take advantage of it. Love the bread is buttered story. You can take control of your life like she did and maybe even eventually get used to the thought of uh, having a half a million dollar home. Researching everything was worth it for her to understand how to take control back in her life. You control your own destiny just like she did, not your landlords controlling you guys. Go to howtobuyahome.com today, ask the question, and take control. And apparently, if you're single and you do this, you get engaged. Didn't know that. Extra perk. You can do this. (laughs) 